Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and some bloke off the internet, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> That's me. So I'm, I'm kind of having to line up things to add to your intro now, Nathan. It's, it's yeah. getting more and more difficult to do it on the mm-hmm. fly. So I've got a list of my tactics guy and dot, dot, dot. I'm worried so that, that was I'm going to overlap a prepared, That was a prepared, that was a scripted, non-improvised some bloke off the internet. That's what That was your leading pre-written <laughs> introductionary line. I see how it is. It, Mate, um, it's hard work to doing this off, off, off the dome every time. I think what would be really helpful is if one of our listeners, listeners could go through every episode we've done and write a list of everything I've referred to you as so far so that I can use that as a checklist so I don't repeat myself. Yeah, yeah. That would be good. I think you I think you can get away with with with, with repetitions. I don't think people are switched on to the introduction as you might think they are. And maybe I've just... I've, I've undone that problem. I've, I've created a problem now because... Now they're going to notice the repetition, whereas before they wouldn't have done. Anyway, how are you both? Surviving, not bad, you know. Buddy, not too bad, Chris. Not too bad, and well, it kind of. I was a bit against the football coming back at first, but now kind of enjoying having regular matches to watch, and it's interesting to see how the kind of form has dropped off on some teams, and how other teams are kind of adapting better with no with no crowds and the breaks and everything. So, yeah, for being against football, I've kind of swung to being very happy to have it back now. It's certainly a welcome distraction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is going to be a bit of a kind of general roundup episode, I suppose, and we'll start off with some transfer stuff. And before we kind of jump into that, I just want to contextualise this 
discussion a little bit because I've been having regular correspondence with a guy called Anatole Pang who has written at length about Spurs' financial situation. And if I'm honest, it's very technical and I don't really understand it. And so Anatole has very kindly written a simplified version um, for me to read out. Uh, if you want to read the detailed stuff which he's put together, the blog is called Just How Rich Is Tottenham Hotspur Really? Not Very. And it's on a website called Asymmetric World. So look that up. I will also put that in the show notes. Uh, but here is the, uh, the, the, the simplified version that Anatole has written for us. So begin quote. I wanted to make the point that Spurs simply are not as rich as a lot of fans and some analysts seem to think we are. Most listeners will not be particularly familiar with or interested in what we call corporate finance. There are a couple of measures which show we are nowhere near yet being competitive. The first is that our indebtedness is much higher than others. Our gearing, the most common measure, shows that we are substantially more indebted than other big six clubs. At 130% debt to assets, we are three times more indebted than Man United, the next highest. The second is that our pre-transfer free cash flow, basically our discretionary cash, is negligible and has been for several years. This is the actual amount of money we generate after all of our obligations. Importantly, it is this rather than the profits in the accounts which tell us how much money we make. The problem is that analysts often focus on profit numbers which are meaningless accounting terms and this in turn leads both media pundits and fans to believe we now we are now on our way to living with the big boys. However, the reality is that we're not. We're still noticeably poorer than the other big six clubs and our transfer spending will reflect this. I beg everyone to be realistic and not set themselves up for a fall by hoping for big deals. For instance, those touted for Dybala or Bruno Fernandes last summer. It's not that we could not buy them, but we would be doing so with big risk, uh, sorry, with debt, which is a huge risk. The stadium only represents the beginning of a long journey before we get big, end quote. So thank you, Anatole, for sort of giving us that context and in a very sim- simple to understand way. Um, like I said, if you want more information on where that all comes from, check out Anatole's uh, blog article about it. Um, I mean, I, I think I think what it does do is it highlights that um, it's it's definitely much more complicated than we're the eighth richest club in the world. Why aren't we spending a hundred million pounds every time? And I also think, it, as as you're reading, it reminded me about this whole um, deal that's been happening between Juventus and Barcelona with Pjanic and Arta. Like football finances are very complicated and a lot of clubs do a lot of stuff to hide how much money is actually taking place. So if you, Swiss Ramble actually did, um, I know we said not to believe the Swiss Ramble, but he actually did um, a thread on why Barcelona and Juve would swap these two players and how they fi- how it fixes their accounting. So it is very complicated, it is very shady and sometimes it does get on my nerves when it's just like, would I Richard's club just spend some money? It's, yeah, there is more to it than simply that. Yeah. Exactly, and I must admit I I fall into the trap regularly of seeing this big shiny new stadium, knowing that we're making lots of matchday revenue now, which has been the thing that people have constantly said we need before we can sign players, and just assuming that oh now we can now we can start uh, as Anatole puts it, living with the big boys, which yeah I mean th- that really helps contextualise all of our transfer activity. And that is why, I assume, we're being linked with uh, free transfers, with players coming to the end of the contract, with a South Korean defender who plays in China, with uh, Nathan Ferguson of West Brom, who is available for a, a, a tribunal fee. And, and I guess that's the kind of transfer activity that we can expect um, this summer. Uh, Nathan, any initial thoughts? Yeah, you can win the league 
on that budget you can achieve really incredible impressive things on that kind of budget uh i uh, like of course we don't have the expenditure that you know arsenal liverpool certainly not city chelsea united do but that doesn't mean that we must come eight like if you buy smartly and like obviously you still have to spend what like compared to me and you and vardy is enormous sums of money right and i'm talking about small sums 10 million pounds in the context of football is like a tiny amount but it's actually a, an absurd quantity of money that would you know feed hundreds of people for years and everything all of that um but the point is if you scout well if you scout young if you scout in the right places and thoroughly and you also you know you make some errors you make some speculative purchases on young players that don't work out um you can still put together an incredible footballing team so i don't think mm. that we are pigeonholed into mediocrity by our budget in fact that's how we if you know through not being massively smart but being smarter than those around us that's how we've gone from in the first place being uh, you know what became a mid-table club to being what is now referred to as the top six which used to be called the top four yeah and um nathan's right there were when we sold i mean the much was made about about the magnificent seven when we sold bail but i think as time passes when i start looking back at it we took a hundred million pounds and we reinvested it in, in, in seven players and we and one of them came off Ericsson came off in a big way Lamella kind of came off in a in a bit of a way Chadley but I think that's kind of the what we might see now the approach of sell big and then reinvest and then perhaps take a punt on a Vlad Kirich's perhaps not spend the money on, on a soldado but there are those kind of options going forward it's a really interesting case. What I, what I really want to be able to do and what I've tried to do and what's very difficult is to source the sort of the 2012, 2013 data of those players and, mm. and look over the performances of the clubs they have because I think I think there's a lot of talented players in there and I think that, yeah, okay, to some extent you bring in seven first-team players, it's going to create chaos. And yes, that you combine that with sort of these shortages in Adjavius Boas' man management, um, that sort of something a recipe for disaster and yes I think we were extremely unlucky with Soldado he was he was a really special finisher who forgot how to finish overnight because you know issues in his personal life the difficulty with moving a rough start and certainly you know the the center forward position is so reliant on confidence and you take an extremely confident person you turn it in, into an extremely unconfident person as a striker it turns you from one of the best in the world to yeah. the laughing stock of the nation and i think that soldado sort of then undermines the other purchases we made that summer i think you know kirikes a talented but faulted center half but um Etienne Capu, uh, you know a a strong Premier League player who I think we could have made more of. Mm-hmm. Um, Ericsson, a genuinely generational talent who who did enormous amounts for us for years. Lamella, obviously a good, talented, also flawed player. Um, Chadley. Yeah, Chadley, I think, did, did good work for us for a couple of years. You know, it would still be an okay squad player. Maybe not now, but could have stuck around a couple of years longer. Um, and pa- Paulinho, obviously, enormously flawed, but a lot of talent there. I... I, I <sighs> All I all I mean by this sort of long answer is just because that didn't work out doesn't mean it couldn't have done. And I think mm-hmm. the obvious comparison here is Liverpool selling Coutinho and reinvesting the way they did. Yeah, and uh, it's weird having this flashback to AVBs. I was watching um, Aston Villa against Wolves and watching Moutinho still kind of bossing it <laughs> now. And I was yeah. just like, my God, had we 
had that had we had Moutinho in that Bale team, then things might have been very different for for our history. Nathan, um, I consider you, I consider you a genius, a soothsayer, a magician. Um, if if you can find data yeah. from that period that proves that Spurs' summer was better than middling as fuck. <laughs> I will refer to you as Lord Nathan A. Clark for the rest of my days. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you, you, that, that that would take some serious spinning. Uh, I, 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 I just get the was... point you're making, though. I completely get the point you're making, mm. and I also agree that um, even with the context that we're discussing around Spurs not having big money to throw around, uh, I agree that we can still do things. And I'll go one step further and say <laughs> we have quite a lot of deadwood in our squad that could easily be sold for a, a fair amount of money. To be honest, I mean, if you think, okay, so Gazaniga, Walker Peters, Carter Vickers. Danny Rose, they will all be sold and not cheaply. That's probably, I don't know, 20, 25 million coming in. Yeah. Uh, And then you can kind of throw in optional sales. I mean, I would be happy for us to sell Aurier, Davis, Sissoko or Winks. Lucas, any of those I would be happy for us to sell and they would all Eventually, though, you, you get to a point where you have to bring seven players in and then you <laughs> recreate the issues of the, the that summer again. Sure, so sure, I, sure. I, but, I take your general but, point. But yeah, yeah and, and Mourinho loves Lucas and he loves Sissoko and he loves Ben Davis. He's not going to sell those players. He loves Aurier. Uh, but if he were to sell a couple of them, he gives himself suddenly a reasonable transfer budget, which gives us something to play with. I, I don't know if you, could, if you could say he loves those players. He's using those players because they're the least kind of faulty faulty footballers we have at the moment Sissoko for his faults he, he runs like hell and he, he you know he, he puts it in Davies as well he's a bit more balanced than chucking in Cessignon or anybody else so I'm not sure he, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, Mourinho would sell them for upgrades instantly I, I, I hope you're right um, I, I fear he won't he kind of has pretty much built our team around Davies and Aurier at the moment uh, he's loyal to Lucas to a fault where he actually basically said that he would play him ahead of our lovely shiny new Bergvine who we adore and think could be a genuinely brilliant player um yeah I, I I hope I hope he would sell them but I suspect he might not um but yeah I mean the general point is we could have some money to play with and we might not have to shop in the complete bargain basement but we expect that to be the case um okay here's here's another one an email from Alex Benham the same Alex who I did the the COVID-19 podcast with hi Alex hope you're well he says uh, just wondering if you guys have any thoughts on Kim Min Jae, the South Korean centre-back we're linked with. Here's, here's Alex's thoughts. I'm a big fan of what I've seen. He's a bit like a hybrid of Maguire today and Vertonghen when he was younger. Dominant in the air and a big tackler, but with a surprising ability to break forward and play a pass. Another big sell is his chemistry with Son, especially as Son has been taking corners for us lately. And Kim can be lethal from Son's deliveries for Korea. Uh, he's also young, 23, and has an expiring contract ending in 2021 and very marketable potentially. Uh, Potentially South Korea's next superstar. However, given our current depth at right centre-back, should we really be signing another right-footed defender when we have no clear successor to Vertonghen on the left? Which I think is a really um, salient mm-hmm. point. Um, so I had never heard of Kim Min Jae. So I, I looked him up when the rumours came about. And I quite like, I quite liked him. Quite like <laughs> what I saw. Um, the, the Harry Maguire comment the comparison is absolutely spot on uh and not just in terms of play style they've both got massive heads <laughs> i mean oh yeah he's an abs- he's got an absolute slab of a noggin 
Um, and he, he, he sticks his head in anything, and I like that. Uh, but his play style is interesting. So he, he's someone who's clearly, and this is where the Tongan comparison comes in, he's clearly confident at taking a touch and bringing the ball out. He'll like tempt a striker in and then dash into the space behind them, which is uh, quite quite attractive. His passing seems relatively conservative, but in the highlight reels, there are some incisive forward passes as well. Uh, he's very sort of proactive defensively. He, he kind of doesn't go to ground, but he closes down space and puts his body in a way to stop players getting beyond him and he looks pretty nimble for a player who's six foot three so there's there's stuff there that um seems promising on the other hand he's playing in china where we know the tempo is relatively slow the quality is uh, not the best so he's kind of untested at an elite level um but yeah an interesting link do you know anything about him Bardi? well we shared something on our facebook page um a scouted football report on um on him and um, in that article, it says something which is going to get a, a lot of um, real football men happy. I, I don't know if any <laughs> real football men listen to our podcast, but if, if they do, by accident, um, he says, this is a quote from Kim, the Real Madrid defenders are a bit rough and the Barcelona defenders are a bit soft. Personally, I like to hit. So <laughs> he does like to, he likes to get stuck in. Um, the, the article says he's nowhere near a finished player. Uh, he needs to become more proactive in stepping into intercept passes into the front front players that he can get spun quite a bit, but he has a bit of pace to get back. Um, and like you said, he says the Chinese Super League is in the top five league by any measure, but Kim's proven himself to be calm, confident and intelligent against that opposition. And when playing international football, he's looked apart against bigger teams like Brazil and Japan. Like you, I, 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 like, the, I like the look of him. I, I, think, I think, yes, perhaps a right-sided centre-back isn't what we need right now. But for the right price, for his age, give him time to settle without throwing him in into the first team. I think it could be a bit good bit of business if he if he is any good. Um, I I kind of wanted to believe that maybe him and Sonny had grown up and played school football together and or or, or at least against each other for the county or something like that. But uh, that's not the case. I looked I looked up where they're both from and they live at extreme ends of South Korea. Uh, so <laughs> it's a they, big they, place. They, yeah, it's, it's a pretty big place, and uh, they probably only know each other from the national team. But still, that's a good enough link, right? Sun's um set him up a few times. I think he's put the ball on his head for a few corners and scored a couple of goals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's mm. that's something that's certainly lacking for for Spurs. Uh, yeah. His nickname is Monster. No, his new nickname is Korean Slaphead. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, any thoughts on Kim? Uh, well, the, a Kore- our Korean fans would love it if we had a, a second one in in the squad. Mm. Uh, the data speaks well of his passing, uh, which is interesting. But like, yeah, I mean, the Chinese Super League is. Um, uh, it's difficult to get any kind of read on for a, on on a young talent um, like Musa Dembele, who we're going to touch on later, is like was very clearly long finished as a Premier League footballer. Um, you know, could barely manage forty five minutes, constant physical injury issues, playing through pain, and now he is just like dominating the Chinese Super League um, and, and, and standing out as an athlete at the age of 32. So I think that gives an insight into the pace and athletic quality of, of the Chinese Super League. But um, it doesn't mean that it's impossible for a, for a high-level talent player to, to develop there. And like to talk about earlier, sometimes you need to, to speculate and, and take risks, especially when they're potentially cheap risks. Mm. Uh, on ter- in terms of left-footers, so left-footed centre-backs was a very posture thing. He really believed that you had to 
play a left versus centre back on the left. Um, I think other managers are a, a lot less strict with that. And as a general rule, you can play. So right footed centre backs have a developmental history of playing on the right and the left. Whereas left footed centre backs, who are genetically and statistically much rarer, have almost exclusively only ever played on the left. So you, you can play a right on the left, but you can't play a left on the right, <laughs> which means you can have too many left footers in your squad, but you can't have too many right footers in your squad in terms of centre back. So I don't think that's the. I mean, yeah, yes, it, 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 there are reasons why it might make sense for us to look towards left footers, but it's not a restriction. Sure, and from the highlights for that I saw of Kim he definitely seems to have played as the left centre back plenty of times and okay. looked fine I mean it's it's only really an issue where you you're pulling out to a left side and you need to clear on your left foot but as long as you can kind of strike a ball cleanly if not 100% accurately you're golden not really going to be a huge factor as you say um, yeah I, th- I think we've been I think we've been spoiled at Tottenham by having a, a nice a nice pairing of right and left footers yeah it, it, it doesn't mean you it doesn't mean you have to have that it's just it is one of those nice to have. Two centre backs with right foot can work. And the original Slabhead himself does often play on the left. Indeed, mm. he does. He does. Uh, we've also inexplicably li- been linked to Lucas Vasquez, the uh, Real Madrid winger. More wingers, more wingers, more <laughs> wingers. I don't. I don't know why Real Madrid. He's he's uh, he's a very talented. Still kind of raw, uh, highly, highly dribbly young winger. I don't know why they'd want to sell him. I don't know why he'd be interested. I don't know why we keep being linked <laughs> with wingers. Um, I don't know. I just I just put that one in <laughs> to just get all of the players we're linked with down on a bit of paper. He, he can't be that young because he seems to have been around forever. Uh, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let me let me quickly Google his age. I like. I, I guess I he's like developmentally young. Oh my goodness, else. he is twenty eight years old. I mean, that okay. would be the worst signing in the world. Why would we do that? <laughs> when did he turn twenty eight? Okay, well, ignore what I just said. He plays like a young player, <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> Which is a and that is not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like Nathan Redmond plays like he's still nineteen. That's 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 a great comparison. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
next question from OJD, who actually has two questions. And in fact, they're quite long, so allow me to summarise. He says, uh, For the biggest frustration where Levy deserves criticism is when we see activity elsewhere that matches our strategy that we don't pursue, or with any of the various missed opportunities, players we turned foe who are then wo- turned down who are then worth a fortune. Um, and he mentioned Hakimi, who seems to be going to Inter for yeah. around £30 million. Um, Does this frustrate you about Levy, Bardi? Yeah, of course it does. You you watch Hakimi and he he's he's a brilliant right sided um attacker. Maybe he's not the best defending, but if he would be a substantial upgrade on Aurier and that's a price which is similar to kind of the Aurier levels. So of course it's frustrating, but I I don't know whether this is down to agents or relationships, but Inter Inter's a strange case. It, they, they seem to be looking to collect players. They're still not quite. I mean, I don't think they'll win the title this year. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I thought Hakimi would be someone that we should be be looking at. I've, I've loved every minute when I've watched him play for Dortmund. And that thirty million is basically what we played for Aurier, adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> so uh, you, we talked about my list of right backs on the previous episodes, and he was like at the top. And I saw him and I thought, well, obviously he is going to be completely out of our price range. Like he's either going to return to Real Madrid and be deputy to Carvajal or surely he will go to Dortmund. But apparently he's available for a club in a similar status to us. Uh, not I think completely beyond our budget, although I would say towards the upper end of it. So, I mean... I definitely think that we should be sticking our noses into this transfer and 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 you know at least considering it. This is a this is a really special young right back. Let me just double check that he's young this time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, sorry, no, don't buddy. Is. It's completely bizarre that Real Madrid have got two. They have before they, on the left hand side they've got um, Theo Hernandez and then they got Hakimi, two fullbacks which they just don't seem to need. And uh, Theo Hernandez is one of the best fullbacks, left fullbacks in, in the world at the moment, and the Hakimi. On the other side, that would have been an insane fullback pairing, but I guess they decided they don't need him. If this were a football manager, then we would surely sell Aurier and Walker Peters and use the money we recoup to pay for Hakimi and then get Nathan Ferguson very, very cheap to play backup. Yes. Do you remember on the previous episode also when you mentioned Nathan Ferguson and then minutes later I tried to think of something I was about to say and I forgot it. I've remembered what it was now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, go on. Uh, I. I think Nathan Ferguson's future is at centre back. Yeah, that was it. I, that was what you waited the week for. <laughs> I do too. To be fair, I do too. In, in, a, in a strange way, he reminds me a bit of Tanganga in the way he's been being used. Uh, in that he's a centre back that's been used out at full back and done a good job of it. A surprisingly good job out on the um, on the flank. Also, uh, Hernandez is owned by Milan, but Real Madrid do have uh, Odrio Zola uh, um, okay. and Mendy. So, yeah, mm-hmm. just ridiculous talent at fullback all round. Uh, OJD's second question was, don't you feel that Levy misses the point that sometimes a new exciting glamour signing can be for many fans like winning a trophy? That feels like a question that is asked by someone who was born in the 80s and lived through Spurs in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, very. Uh, because I definitely, I definitely feel that. Like, the, the, the idea idea of having one really exciting signing each summer was kind of what got you through the mediocrity that Spurs served up was that the same for you Bardi yeah totally and it's it's a bit it's just a bit Arsenal it's kind of what Arsenal do now they sign 72 million 
pounds on Pepe, and it's like they they're so happy because they've spent a lot of money and bought one player, whereas it, it doesn't really serve them. They would have been better off buying a centre back with that money. Um, I think I grew up watching Spurs with these kind of maverick individuals, um, but I've kind of got to the point in my life now where it, it doesn't really serve a, a purpose. We bought this maverick individual in Dombele, and it, it hasn't worked at the moment. I mean, that was one of the best signings, most exciting signings that we've yeah. done for for a long, long time, and, and that hasn't worked. So I, I'd ra- I'd rather have the trophy than the signing, but I would rather make the signings that get us to the trophy or gets us over the line to the trophy, if you, if you see what I mean. I completely agree. That's a really astute point you just made about Ndombele. I mean, I remember just how excited we were about signing him uh, in the podcast after uh, he'd signed. And yeah, it certainly hasn't lived up. It hasn't lived up to that just yet. Uh, so Timothy Castagnier said, when a team like PSG <laughs> or Tottenham come knocking on your door, you can't, you can't say no. That's true. Uh, Italian rounds, buddy. Uh, you know he's he plays for he plays for Atalanta, who, who are fantastic. But he does yeah. he does spend a lot of his time kind of sat behind um, Hataboa, who who is the preferred kind of right uh, wing back option. He has played a bit on the left. Yeah, there's nothing. You know, he's not he's not an exciting. He doesn't excite me too much. There's nothing really that I see. If you compare his minutes to what to what Hataboa does, the other side, it doesn't really look as good. But I, if we're going to sell Carl Walker Peters and we want a full back who's good then then it's a fine signing i don't i don't see any there's nothing there's no alarm bells ringing that this is a bad signing i i think okay okay fair enough um right yeah he's on. he's not going he's not going to get og ojd excited and out buying <laughs> shirts and running around the running around the front room <laughs> Okay, moving on. Kieran Trippier has given an interview in which he says, begin quote, we sold Dembele in January. I don't know about his situation and maybe he wanted to go, but I personally feel that if we kept him for that extra four or five months and let him go on a free in the summer, we would have done a lot, lot better, end quote. He also alludes to the fact that he needed surgery whilst he was at Spurs and has since had it and is kind of fixed. Um, What did you think of this, Nathan? I was wound up because this narrative has kicked around a couple of times before I, I tweeted about this because it, it pissed me off because it's like we kept Envelli much longer than we should have done. The problem was not that we let him go, it's that we didn't replace him a year, 18 months, maybe even two years prior to that point. Like, I, I understand, like, obviously how great he was and how much the other player, like a real player's player, how incredible he must have been in training and how he made the other players feel with what he gave the performances but like because of that that's why it was so important for us to replace him because he'd been winding down essentially since he also retook his place as a as a as a starting eleven player for Spurs and as one of the best central midfielders in the world which he was the idea that like we made a mistake in letting him go when he was like unable to play full games as I was saying earlier playing through a lot of pain um you know the idea that he would have been useful in the Champions League final is like it's it's like a 50 50 that he would have been in any kind of position to start the game let alone anything else you know also um, up against one of the most physically dominant midfields the Premier League yeah. has ever known yeah yeah 100% and he often you know he having in 2016 been excellent against Liverpool he then struggled a handful of times when he wasn't at full fitness to face them so it it winds me up that this is the narrative that we that we let Dembele go too early when it's the exact opposite of the truth is the case um but on terms of Trippier's own injury I'm, I'm much more sympathetic 
Yeah, I mean, there there was definitely a drop off in Trippier's performances mm. whilst he was injured. I think that's fair to say in terms of his attacking output. But he was really bad defensively before, during, and after his injury. Um, so I don't know. There's a little bit of revisionism going on there as well. I I, I honestly think that the mess we made of the right back slot post Kyle Walker. Um, we haven't stopped making a mess of the right back spot post Kyle Walker. There you go. There you go. Uh, we had some news about our young players this week because the Premier League released and retained lists were published and one of the bits of news within this is that Maurizio with a Z Pochettino has been given a new contract and what emerged today on social media was pictures of his proud dad with his arms around his son uh, still wearing Spurs clobber Bardi what was that all about? <laughs> I don't know but I found it a little bit weird that you know you're still wearing clothes of your former employer but um you know maybe maybe at least we get to sing the song maybe one day when Maurizio starts making first team appearances <laughs> um, and maybe he, he'll be magic he could be great it could be um, nepotism it could be everything else but it could be great a couple of times I've gone to uh, catch up with a friend who is still at my old uni and like met them outside my old uni or even I've walked past in the street and I feel like the weird older dude who's still like clinging on to his youth hanging around outside <laughs> uni and stuff like that um, and so Pochino being in his Spurs training gear is sort of a little reminiscent of that kind of vibe. He also he got like a barbecue that says one of our own on it and stuff as well. Like obviously very few people adore Pochino more than I do, but it's still it's still kind of weird. Uh I guess like I don't know, maybe he'll he's still in that void post being at Spurs. And I I, I don't I, I appreciate that he still feels such a connection to the club and I and I we talked about this in more in depth before and I am open to the idea of him one day returning, but it is slightly odds that he's still like I don't know hanging around outside uni I mean returning works I never thought it did but Real Madrid is showing you can go back you can go back and be you get the might win the league this year which is what they didn't do it under Zidane before so maybe maybe uh, Mourinho's just come in to be the hatchet man and Marie, and Pochettino comes back one day Nathan I just need to pull you up on the barbecue engraving because if I don't uh-huh. we'll get tweets about it uh, it Go said on. he's magic you know not he's one of our oh. own oh of course <laughs> it does what a stupid thing to say yeah it rhymes uh, but I, I, I completely agree with the point you made maybe he's just really proud of his son yeah yeah there True. is that <laughs> so there were extensions given to other youngsters in the same way that we extended the contracts of Michelle Vorm and Jan Vertonghen so that I presume is to compensate for the fact that some of these young players have missed out on the ability to make tr- to take trials at other clubs, and so they're kind yeah. of tidying them over. That is the only thing I can think of as logical in this situation. Uh, but they are Rayan Clark, John Dinsay, uh, Phoenix Patterson, Max Statham, and that's it. Because Tariq Hines oddly wasn't given an extension or didn't sign an extension. Not sure what's happened there. Uh, weirdly, Hines is my favourite of all of those young players, and I think he could be someone who pops up. A decent level again at some point in the future. Uh, so yeah, that that was the that was the news really on on the youngsters. If you look at the pre- if you if you Google Premier League retained and released players, you'll see the full list of Spurs uh, squad members who we've who we've signed up for longer periods, and that includes all the youngsters, including Maurizio. Uh, there seems to be a new contract on the horizon for Eric Dyer. How do we feel about mm. this? Fine, sign him up. I mean, this is essentially off the back of some good training weeks. 
and a two good games, which is something I'm generally very reluctant over. Uh, but it's not just like a mysterious turn of form that footballers sometimes get towards the end of their contracts. It's like the the, the fairly obviously the result of him shedding some muscle weight and becoming more mobile. So that's a lot more persuasive. I would still want to wait, you know, two, three more games to see how well it keeps up. So we have a better sort of assessment of the asset. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is looking good for Eric Dyer now, which is not something I was expecting. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that's turned around, isn't it? I mean, I... when we spoke about Dyer previously, we were up for selling him, basically. Oh, yeah. R- releasing him on a free. <laughs> His contract ends next summer, so it does make sense to extend it whether we trust sure. him or, or not. It's kind of just a, a point of keeping your uh, high value players within contracts if they don't run them down I think we're looking at like a two or a three year extension rather than just tidying them over I think we're looking at like yeah like like I said essentially a new contract Fair enough. Um, Kyle Walker-Peters is starting to get some games for Southampton. He he played um, and played pretty well actually in their in their game against. Oh my god, completely gone. Watford. 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 Yes, of course. Watford were horrible in that match, but Walker-Peters put in a, a decent shift, and their fans desperately want to sign him, which could be useful in our pursuit of Choubier. I think it gives <laughs> us some true. gives us some some options for doing a deal there. What do you think, Bardi? Yeah, if we can use him as a as a make weight, then fine. I, I I watched the same clips you watched, and he seemed to punt it down the line quite a bit. So you know, if we can if, if we can get some money for him, great. Well, I watched the whole game, and he <laughs> carried the ball forward really well. Was very tight to his man defensively. Did almost give away a penalty by pulling someone over. Uh, but yeah, really like offered himself as an outlet consistently. They seemed to trust him. Um, Ings was giving him like a nice arm around the shoulder as they went <laughs> off the pitch. He seems to have settled in really well there, and I'm I'm pleased for him. Mm-hmm. Hassan Hussel said, "We will give him more moments to show up in the running, and then have a decision to make this summer." So, I mean. Yeah, Southampton are looking for a right back. They need they've needed a right back for a little while. Um and you know they Walker Peters is very much in consideration. I think um be interesting to see how he performs over the next couple of games and and and, and uh yeah, how that looks for both clubs involved. I wish we'd loaned him out to Southampton a couple of years ago. How things could have been different. Um, speaking of other prodigious young Spurs talents that I've waxed lyrical about, Marcus <laughs> Edwards is being bizarrely linked with a return to Spurs. I, I cannot see this happening, but um, that is the rumour. Uh, Nathan, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he left on such terrible terms. Some some suggest that like the fallout was exclusively with Pochettino, who does sometimes hang around outside in his Spurs kit, but otherwise has <laughs> left the club. Um, and so um, now that that's cleared, he's free to return back but I, my very vague understanding is it's a little deeper than that and even then you still wouldn't really want to come back would you um, so I don't think it makes sense for him uh, I understand that we have some clauses on his contract and maybe we're just sort of interested in you know talking up his value and um, sticking our fingers in and trying to raise some more funds that way or I don't know whatever else um, he's he's a very talented young player um, and he will command value both now and in the future um, so I don't know what more we can get out of him as an asset, but I I don't see him returning to us as a footballer. Really, that seems pretty difficult. I mean, there is um there is the case in point I mentioned to you guys before we started recording that Pogba was a player that left Manchester United, kind of fell out there, went away, made his bones, and came back for for a lot of money. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against it if if it costs nine million.
million pounds to bring Marcus Edwards back, but he's actually a 25 to 35 million pound worth player, then it, it's not a bad hit. It's not a bad punt to take on um, on him. So I, I wouldn't be against it. The logic being there that we have this 50% sell-on deal with Edwards, and so in theory we could sign him for 50% of what anyone else could sign him for. Yep. Uh, and we get 50% of whatever he goes for. Um He's being rated at about 18 million. We could sign him for nine. Uh, the smart business sense is to sign him for nine million, loan him out for a year, and then sell him for 30 million, assuming he does well. I mean, the even smarter business sense would have been to not sell him in the first place. <laughs> But there we go. But I mean, Edwards is great. He's going to be a very good player for someone. I suspect he won't go to an English team straight away. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I, I think he might stay abroad for another year. And I th- think he'll do really well. But being English and therefore qualifying as a homegrown player, there is a bit of a premium should he come to an English team. And so you can imagine that the um, the value would be, the, the cost would be decent. It would be a significant outlay required to bring him in. Uh, and we will end on an article that Bardi's flagged up here, a piece by Barry Glendening for The Guardian, where Bardi, is this right? He said that Kane will have to leave the trophies. Yeah, then he'll get to that point. It, it just... It just riled me up this morning um, that this this whole trophy thing, a player needs to leave for trophies. And um, it got me upset because trophies are this this mystical thing that we, we keep missing out on, semi-finals, finals, through probably, not through any lack of transfer business, but through on-the-pitch stupidity and um, tactical stupidity like Sun at left-back or playing Michel Vorm <laughs> against Manchester United. Situations which could easily have been avoided had... We've been smarter and the right step's been taken. But um, it's this thing that he needs to leave to find trophies. Like it's you walk into a field and you, you find mushrooms. <laughs> trophies are a closed shop. If you look at the, how the trophies are spread around England, for example, Manchester City have made a monopoly of the League Cup. You know, the, the cup that no, none of us took seriously. Manchester City have decided they're going to win it every single year now. So that's a, that's a trophy gone. You look at the FA Cup and equally, not perhaps not as closed shop, but you, it's split between Chelsea, Arsenal, you United and Man City and then you look at Liverpool collecting Champions League and now the league title and it's just like he either signs for Liverpool or he signs for City or he goes to Chelsea that's the only way he's going to get a consistent amount of trophies that people think he should be getting or he goes abroad and signs for Bayern Munich but they've got a number nine or PSG they've got a number nine or Barcelona change up their way of playing and he signs for them so it just really annoys me that I think I think if Harry Kane manages to collect a couple of trophies at Tottenham a team so averse to, to winning things then <laughs> I think those trophies will mean more in at the end of the day than than they would at Celtic for example Totti said winning one league title at Roma is worth winning 10 at Juventus or Real yeah. Madrid and yeah. I'm kind of in that camp now with Harry Kane that Harry Kane what what's, what's he, where's he going to go stay at Spurs win a trophy become a legend you were well, you already is but become a proper bona fide legend at Tottenham Hotspur by giving us something that we don't get and we very rarely get and it's and people are like win trophies we've never won trophies so we're not winning them now and we're not going against the against the run of play also if Harry Kane started scoring goals in finals and semi-finals it would help us <laughs> but that was an exceptional rant and don't get me wrong I, I, I do rather like Barry Glendening uh, I, I have a slight soft spot for him but I think you just gave him exactly what he wanted from his argument. yeah I, I, I took that bait but I took the bait and then I brought the boat down with me <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Nice. Any no, comment, yeah, Nathan? No, you're definitely right that like the discussion around trophies ignores just how like finite a resource they are and, mm. and how much just a handful of clubs very much have their grasp on them and them alone. And then especially when you tier the trophies into like the top three domestic leagues and the Champions League and then all of the other little things that don't actually matter that much. And maybe do to fans, but don't to pundits and don't to players and don't to clubs and don't financial. Um, yeah, uh, and definitely like, you know, Harry Kane, at least if he can get fit again, is literally good enough to be bought by those clubs. Maybe not right this second because of who's where, but, you know, at least down the line within a couple of years for sure. Um so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, completely uh, be incapable of forgiving him if he decided he needed to leave for those reasons. But I believe that he believes, or Totti believes, great Italy reference, by the way, that one at Tottenham is worth 10 elsewhere. Yeah, and it's not like he hasn't come close. We've, we've had so many opportunities where it, it could have been, could have been our, our moment. The, we've, we've had two finals. We had two finals under Pochettino and we had countless semi-finals where we were just a, a deflection or a penalty or a Michel Vorm chucking it in the net away from <laughs> something happening. I, and I'm, I'm fully convinced that we would have probably gone on to win one of those FA Cup finals. Nice. Well, hmm. to end the podcast, um, I will give an update on Nathan's isolation recommendation. So Nathan recommended a film called Captain Fantastic. I thought it was excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. It was not what I expected at all. So that was a great recommendation, Nathan. Um, also, hmm. I mentioned that I wanted to start a football management football manager game uh, with a smaller club. Uh, I did that. I've got Wickham promoted via the playoffs in my first year, and now I'm really struggling in the championship to to get players who are going to have any chance of keeping me up so further updates to follow uh buddy anything you've been up to in isolation um our potluck film continues we watch kramer versus kramer that's oh, um, a good it's a good pretty good that was pretty good um also watch captain fantastic that was excellent and last night for a bit of light relief we watched the will ferrell um, eurovision nonsense which was terrible but dan stevens as the russian singer was absolutely uh, he absolutely stole the show he was brilliant Nice. And how about you, Nathan? You been up so much? Jeez. Uh, oh, no, I haven't really been watching TV. I haven't really been watching many films. I haven't listened to podcasts or new albums. I've been playing fucking Rocket League, not out of my enjoyment of the game, but a bizarre, warped addiction to improving. So my isolation recommendation is don't play addictive video games. They're very <laughs> bad for you. That's the most Nathan sentence. <laughs> uh, amazing. All right. Thanks, boys. It's been a pleasure as ever. Bye, Wendy. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, Steve Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.